and welcome back to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I am Amy, and what is something that most people hate that you enjoy? Missy? Cold weather. Mike? Silence. Tommy? I smell a compost. <laughs> Ew. And I like spiders and snakes. We're a family of creators going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, everyone. How is everyone doing this week? It was hot as hell. Yeah, it was gross. It was a Maryland summer. It was. It was a Maryland summer. Doing that market, oh my goodness. We meant to bring for our market. We start really early too. We start about like 7.30 and it still got up to like upper 80s and it was right on, you know, black asphalt. Everyone was just like, can we go home? It's going to be like that. You know what? You know, I'm losing weight due to sweating so much. That's how it works, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Woo! I know that that's the health. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, we had a special guest visit us this week. Liam? It was Liam. And also the ghost of Dead oh. Kitty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're going to make oh. me see cry. Too soon, Amy. Too I was soon. talking about Midnight. I know, but it still <laughs> makes me sad. Okay. Wait, why? The ghost of midnight showed up? No, I well, I always say, okay. <sighs> Anytime anything happens and they're like, oh, it must have been on the wind. I was like, oh, it's the ghost of dead kitty. And I've referred to midnight as the ghost of dead kitty for <laughs> years now. Mm-hmm. It's true. So that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking about your predicament. So poor taste, whatever. Foot and mouth. Yeah. Moving on. Missy was here this week. Yay. <laughs> How was it? I mean, I'm home, so. <laughs> so she's wow. super happy. She's like, I cannot wait to get back to work and be away from Actually, those people. It was really awesome to be away from work. I really enjoyed being with the family being with Gillian because I'm like cat deprived and getting to connect with people you know while not having Liam and everyone at work left me alone so that was like a first that was really nice um I got to spend a lot of time with mom which is nice she took an entire week off and normally when I go down to visit I get to spend time you know with Tommy and Liam but you know and maybe a little bit of time with mom or time with her in the evening so it was really nice to to have that change to get to spend time with her and then I got to spend, you know, lots of time with Tommy and Amy when they were available. And Tommy kept taking me or us around to all these little hidden gym gems. And it was great. Went to mm-hmm. so many places. It was fantastic. I ate so much food. When I left the flight down, I knew I had lost weight because seatbelt on the plane was loose. I was like, yeah, tighten that up. And then when I came back, it wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Although it was a, a different plane type and the seats were closer to each other on that plane so i don't know maybe the seat belts are smaller but obviously the plane ate a lot it's obviously <laughs> could be the plane, the plane. Yeah, no no i wasn't the nicer plane, plane on the way there yeah but regardless i ate well all week it was great yeah we still got leftovers oh i bet we're gonna have like leftovers for, like two three days it's kind of great it did suck though because i just came home from work so late most of the days that i was experiencing all that food <laughs> just like nice and cold and i was like <laughs> Yeah, I kept trying to time it. I'm like, okay, Tommy said he'll be home around this time. And then I'm looking then at I the wasn't. clock like, where is he? <laughs> I wasn't. Oh, his food's getting cold and his wine is getting warm. Hey, but regardless, the cold food and the warm wine was still real good. So thank you all involved. I appreciate it. 
Good job, Mike. I I am so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I will say coming home was really hard because normally when I'm coming home, I can look forward, hey, you know, I've got a cat at home I can look forward to seeing, right? And that'll distract me. And, you know, I've got Liam there too. And not having either coming home to an empty house was, it sucked really hard. Yeah, I bet. I really want my kid. I kept myself busy yesterday, but like today, I just, ugh, it's a little emotional today. You don't have to put any of that in if you don't want to. I'm just being. Just don't be emotional. Don't be real. Have you tried that? Yeah. Have you tried not caring so hard? (laughs) It's, It's amazing what like having pets will do in the sense of like, you live so long with them. And then if you don't have them, you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much energy and space they fill up. Mm-hmm. Much fuller your lives are. Yeah. Yeah, it is really nice. Pets are really nice. They can be annoying as hell sometimes. But yeah. But it's a great kind of annoying. Yeah. Most of the time. Mike, you were talking about all the veggies that came in earlier. That's very exciting from your little garden. Any Any new things that came in? No, we just had some like... Sun golden, golden sun tomato, whatever they're called. Tommy knows. I don't. They're little cherry sun tomatoes. Gold. Sun gold. There you go. Like I said. And <laughs> they came in, but there was only two of them out of like the hundred that's on the actual plant itself. So then we got some green beans. We've had a whole bunch of lettuce and kale and chard. Mm. And mm. I think that's about it. We have a bunch of green peppers on one pepper plant. So many that the plant like tipped over. So you know, I had to <laughs> oh, put no. steaks in most stuff, but this was like a nice strong stem. And I was like, yeah, oh, this is going to last. And it was just, you know, way down. So it was interesting. I did a bunch of work on my thesis project. So that was um, not fun, but it was something I did. It actually was kind of not fun I, or kind of fun and kind of not fun. It was uh, some fun. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> you can use all Did of you have that. stroke? All of that needs <laughs> yeah. to be clipped. <laughs> yeah. I, I am not feeling well today. Apparently, Aaron got me sick because somebody got her sick. Aaron. So, um, it, it, now I have to get somebody sick. It's just how, how it, it's. Circle you have to sick. keep doing it. Yeah. That's how the pandemic happened. I don't know how much we want to date this podcast. Date it. Date it. <laughs> Take it out for a nice Do restaurant. It. Oh, okay. For a nice restaurant? What? Super, super bummed out because I lost $20,000 because the student loan debt relief was blocked by the Supreme Court. And uh, all the response that I saw was like, these elites need to learn to pay for their their loans. And it really pisses me off that I'm working two jobs and to go, going to school to further the environment, which is going to protect all of us. And I am getting mm-hmm. called an elite and I'm not going to be making nearly as much money as somebody who just has like works in a bank. You know, I'm far from an elite and I am so sick of being called a lazy and entitled and all that when I am working my ass off to try and make this. And I had to take out loans just to pay for school to do something that is going to benefit everybody. So that was really annoying. On a positive note, Reddit changed its API access for third party apps. So what does that mean? It means that third party apps had to pay for a certain number of API access to like main Reddit. And I've only ever used a third party app to access it. And Reddit was definitely my social media addiction. Like I just kept going on there and like scrolling for nothing. But because they changed it, the third party apps all shut down because they're like, we're not going to pay that much for it. You want us to like spend millions of dollars every month to to pay for access to Reddit. So I stopped using Reddit. So yeah, I'm going to be on detox for social media stuff for a while which is great i've been mm. so excited by that that's why you're saying it's a good thing i guess yeah. for some people yeah that 
that is a really good thing for a lot of Reddit users there. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I feel like between Reddit and Instagram and Twitter and all the main social media websites, like, yes, we can communicate faster, but is anybody truly happier using them? Probably not. No. I want to say we're we're more entertained in the moment, but we're definitely a lot more depressed when we look at the bigger picture and what everybody else is going through. It gives you a sense of community, but no direct connection to that community outside the online presence, which I think is more detrimental in the long run than you know, having that close knit group of friends that you can go to and rely on and stuff. So I, I think at least when I was using them heavily instant and portable form of escapism, which is very dangerous. Yes. Because you can constantly use it. And then whenever you're feeling stressed out, you can use it instantaneously. And I think when you're using it all the time, I think it gets to that point where like if anything small stresses you out that is your oh there's a certain word for it it's your trigger it's it's your idea of like oh i'm getting stressed let me go and use this now yeah but i think it yeah. gets even worse i think your body also determines oh i'm bored and that's a stress and now i need to use it because i'm bored so you'll be at that's work true. and you'll have five minutes to do nothing and you'll pull out your phone and start scrolling on it and it's like why am I doing this? Like I could get more stuff done or I could talk to somebody. I could plan out my day. So I'm, I'm really excited to not be on Reddit and to not use social media as a boredom crutch, which is going to be interesting. I hope that I can start reading more books. I hope I can work on my thesis more, you know, I can kind of get a, a, a way to enhance my brain as opposed to just dumbing it down by looking at the same garbage that I always do. So while I was working this week, on my thesis, I decided I wanted to go and listen to the podcast episodes of Creativity and Chaos that I was not on. Uh-oh. And there was a couple of them that I Uh-oh. listened to that was very entertaining. One of them was the Hello and Yo Uh-oh. Part 2 podcast, <laughs> where they I talked about to, the menu. I'm that busy? I gotta, I gotta go do something. I forgot. Real important. It was funny because you're like, we're just going to do this without Mike being here and he'll be so mad. But And you're like, he'll never listen to it. <laughs> I didn't think you would. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. I, I found the episodes entertaining in general, like all the ones I wasn't on. And I was like, oh, this is good. I'm glad that like it's actually entertaining to listen to. Because I'm a fantastic editor, not because the content's <laughs> yeah. good. No, the editing was very good. I will say on that podcast, I did warn the audience that we would be doing another menu yeah, <laughs> walkthrough because I was like, when if Mike wants to, and it's going to happen. So, Well, I'll, I'm going to keep this pretty much spoiler-free, little spoilers, but it'll be pretty quick, hopefully. One of the things that you you did not mention, which is one of the, the things I really wanted to talk about, because we are like a creative podcast, right? It's about family, with this is the chaos and the creativity. One of the <laughs> cool parts about the menu was, first of all, there was no character arcs for any of the characters except for the villain, which was oh. awesome. And secondly, one of the coolest aspects about the writing for that is that the audience had the arc not the characters. The audience didn't understand what was going on to the full level. They thought they had an idea while you're watching that. You go, okay, yeah, it's like a couple and they're going to go to this fancy, you know, dinner. And then when they go to the dinner, you start to notice things are off and you're like, well, that's strange. I don't know what's going on here. And the more that you watch it, 
the more it reveals to you like, oh, this isn't a couple and this isn't what it seems like here. This isn't what it seems like there. So it's really the audience that goes through the idea of the arc where they are slowly starting to put the pieces together of something that is not a mystery, but becomes a mystery just because of the way it's written and presented, which I thought was so refreshing and genius with the way that it tells the story. Regardless of the content of it, I really think that that alone, if you have not seen the menu and you're looking from a creative standpoint of a way to tell a story that's unique, that's a great thing to look at. And that's really all I really wanted to talk about. It stands out because of that and it's just directing style it chose a very specific direction with the way it wanted all of its characters to be presented and the story and how all those tie in together and they stuck with it and they did not really tamper off of that so even if i didn't think it was like one of the greatest movies i still respect it tremendously because it had an artistic vision and then it stuck with it yeah and i think it's dedication to that sticking with it is what brought the comedic aspect to it so to the forefront the absurdity of it yes yeah you know that is true right in the beginning the restaurant employee says like this is where we sleep we live on this island and i was like dude if you've ever been in the service industry you know that everybody hates their job like every single Mm -hmm. cook or server they're like i cannot stand this and the idea that they would all like sleep on the same compound and dedicate their life to it is so farcical and so absurd that the fact they play it so seriously adds to the kind of horror aspect and to the the mystery aspect of the whole thing yeah exactly yeah that's all i really wanted to say about it amy so thanks for including me on the first conversation oh yeah you're welcome <laughs> well we'll have more we'll, we'll have we'll the have menu discussion three once missy watches more to say more to say exactly what else they do oh uh so indiana jones just came out the the fifth and final one with at least harrison ford you know that so you watch it no i did i did not watch it but i was like you know what's a really good movie raiders of the lost ark so let me go back and watch that (laughs) for like the 50th time and here's my controversial opinion i'm Uh thinking i'm thinking about it i think it's john williams tied for best score i know everybody's probably going to say like one of the star wars movies or there's so many great like there's jurassic park and there's harry potter and there's so many great scores but I think Raiders of the Lost Ark just has such a great composition, a great score to it that it's it's hard for me to say it's not one of his best. It's tied for best. Any movie others. in that kind of like the realm of Indiana Jones, Star Wars around that time where it came out, I haven't watched in like probably a decade, probably since Maryland. So I, I legitimately need to go back and watch Indiana Jones because I know the score is good and I know the movie's pretty good, but... I think now with a more analytical brain and being so closely tied to like music, I feel like going back and actually analyzing that would be really fun. So now I have a task to do. Uh, what, speaking of tasks, I was thinking what we could do just based off of this conversation, we could find, and it could be John Williams, it could be a different composer, but we should find a composer and watch movies that they have done and instead of necessarily focusing on the story, focus on the composing in that movie. And then like a... Um, you got it. You got it. Starts the T. Tropes. Like our tropes idea that we think about, I think that that would be fun to do like a musical trope in yeah. that sense. 
That's a really also good we should do musicals as a trope as well. But that's another that's another thing. I mean, I think you could very easily go with John Williams because he has so many movies, and I guarantee there's one of them out there that you've only seen once and totally forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Star Wars Episode Whatever, E.T., Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Home Alone, Close Encounters of the Whatever Kind, and you know, Superman, right. the original. <laughs> Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, The Fableman, Harry Potter, right Star, Wars, Star, Wars, ah. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Home Alone 2, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Hook, Jaws 2, Rogue One, Saving Pryor Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, Lost World, Jurassic Park, Solo, Star Wars movie, uh, Memoirs of no. a Geisha, Score, a film, Excellent. Jurassic Park, Superman 2, Empire of the Sun, Harry Potter, Jaws, Tintin, The ter- 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 Terminal, The Sugarland the Terminal. <laughs> AI, artificial intelligence, Warhorse, War of the Worlds, Munich, Superman Returns, and Minority Report. Oh my gosh, apparently John Williams movies are my thing. I've seen, I think, all of those except for Harry Potter. I will not be watching Harry Potter. (laughs) You should should watch it for the score. Watch it for the score. You don't even know. any of them at this point. She doesn't even know. That's the problem. It's like John Williams is the magic behind so many movies. And he doesn't care if you don't watch the the next seven Harry Potter movies. The first one for the score alone is like. You're like, yeah, all right, John Williams. I feel so magical. I haven't seen the most recent Jurassic World there. I got one. Oh, did he do those? Yeah. I literally said Jurassic Park so much. Oh. Well, I I think he got credited just like how he got credited with like Star Wars, like Han Solo and Rogue One, because oh. he didn't compose that. He just got credited. Oh. As far as I know, Dial of Destiny, the last Indiana Jones movie, is supposed to be his last film. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. He's he's and retiring because he's, he's like ninety six. No, he's going to ascend. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's to where 91. I don't know. But he's he literally the moment this movie releases, John Williams is there's a beam of light that's gonna come from the sky and then he's gonna just start slowly rising. So he rose on Thursday evening. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, John Williams. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny too because like if you listen to his music and you kind of study it, he has such a style that is so easily identifiable and he does some of the same things over and over again but for some reason it really translates to film very well it's kind of like Hans Zimmer like Hans Zimmer does a lot of the exact same things with most of his movies but it really benefits the actual viewing as opposed to to anything else speaking of movies that you haven't seen in a while or haven't seen at all while Missy was down, we made Tommy watch Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz because he had never seen those before. And uh, Tommy, would you like to take the floor on this? This one? kind of plays into a subject that I've been wanting to talk about, which is expectations versus finally viewing or consuming a piece of media and like how you felt after that. And I think a lot of things, at least for me personally, the second time consuming something always helps because I I already know what to expect. Therefore, then I feel like I can judge it accordingly. I'm sure I'm going to feel this way very strongly about the new Spider-Man that just came out across the Spider-Verse. 
very i feel very strongly about this i felt very strongly about dune and it's kind of the same way with hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead i think those movies were just all right and i think i think they've been hyped up by the entire family so much that i was expecting something again playing into expectations i was expecting something so grandiose and every line was funny i was rolling on the floor laughing and then it was just like oh some are funny some aren't and i think it was because my expectations were just so high they were so high because they've been i've been hit with it so many times like Mm -hmm. this is a great movie this is the one of the best movies simon pegg is in and i'm like well simon pegg's pretty great i do love him and he's a good writer all right let's see this and then i was like the part where he falls into the fence was really funny (laughs) (laughs) it's not Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, I don't think are like a, here's a full joke. I think it's more of here is some mm-hmm. absurdities and unexpected things that are just yep. funny to happen. Yep. And um, I, that's exactly what I found out they were after I watched them because I was expecting something so different and I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. it to be played so unbelievably serious. Mm. And I think going into something like that and knowing it's supposed to be played serious and maybe like understanding more of the way it was written, I feel like I would have liked it more. But upon first viewing, I was like, this is just okay. It's not I didn't have a bad time experiencing, but but I, I just find that so interesting that my expectations totally shattered, I think, maybe how I perceived the movie. I will say there's two things. But before I get into the expectations, I saw Shaun of the Dead and I saw Hot Fuzz in theater. I, I heard Shaun of the Dead was good. I went and I was like, that's really great. Later, I found out there's like a great bit of movie trivia. Edgar Wright, who, who wrote and directed it, he's such a fantastic writer that there's a lot of stuff that's kind of hidden. So when you go back and watch it in the very beginning, there is a scene where Nick Frost and Simon Pegg's characters are talking and Nick Frost basically foreshadows the entire movie in the beginning. And he's talking about like going to bars and having a bite and stuff. And it's like beat for beat what happens throughout the rest of the movie. And it is genius foreshadowing, but it's talking about bars. And instead he's like, we'll go to this place and have a bite. And it's like that, that place is a name of a person who gets bitten by a zombie later. And it's just Mm -hmm. genius. Right. So really great writing, great foreshadowing. I think if you look for that, when you watch it again, then you'll enjoy it. Shaun of the Dead has a lot of little details like that. Hot Fuzz is a gold mine for catching something new every single time you watch it. And I watched it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I find it thoroughly enjoyable because of all of those really intentional details that you know by the time you've watched it, you know, a dozen times, you got the story down and you're you're like mining for more details. And it's just like adds layers and layers of enjoyability for me. Yeah. No, and I agree that Edgar Wright movies in general, when I go back and watch them a second or third or fourth time and you start picking up on stuff, it makes it more enjoyable. It makes it an experience to try to figure out what else is going to happen. So I'm actually kind of jealous for you, Tommy, because now I'm hyping up your expectations for your second viewing. This is going to ruin it. (laughs) That's funny. I will say for Hot Fuzz, when I saw it in the theater, I died of laughter in the last 15 minutes of that film. Like I was 
laughing so hard as soon as the the big action sequence happens because of the yeah. absolute absurdity of like shooting of, old people with old shotguns. people yeah I, right? that was really funny <laughs> lost it it's yeah. real entertaining that that's something i definitely appreciated more of hot fuzz than shun of the dead is it it felt like there was so much more setting up and paying off like every oh, yeah. second there was just another setup and again mm-hmm. i'm sure going back through it could be like yep 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 but Something interesting with what they do with Hot Fuzz is, you know, there's obviously a lot of violence, especially in that last 15 minutes. But the majority of the people, unlike most of your cop action kind of violence, they don't die. They all wind up getting injured in a myriad of ways. And then they all go to jail, like all wrapped up in their stupid injuries. But they, they don't die, which is just such a unique approach to a cop movie. That is true. Yeah, I it's just a fun movie. It's a really like, great <laughs> yeah, good review. <laughs> it's a great example of the type of movie I like, which is a a spoof that is it takes itself super seriously and it's like this is this is it. So, for instance, some of my favorite spoof movies to ever come out or one of them is uh, Team America World Police absolutely adore that because of how serious it takes itself the weird al yankovic story that just came out i love it 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 takes oh it's so good if you like that that type of movie of like the absolute absurd i'm gonna do a spoof of a specific type of genre this one is the you know the music biopic that sort of idea of here's the story that you've never heard and then it takes it way over top it's kind of like a gangster movie mixed with it because you know it's a weird out it's great it's definitely on spoiler it's on my best of 2023 list (gasps) spoiler oh my goodness it's it's awesome i think that mom and dad would love it they like uhf which is okay uhf's not not the greatest it's definitely a time Period. It was fun for its time. Yes, it was yeah. a low budget movie for its time, and when you look back at it now, you go, "Oh, that there's some like really cringy yeah. type stuff." <laughs> yeah, and there's some there's some funny parts in it, but the weird weird the Al Yankovic story is definitely much more modern and takes itself so seriously, which I love. So that's what I like about stuff like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, where it's like, okay, this is a zombie movie. This is a buddy cop movie. And they are taking the ideas of it and making a a farce of it almost. I will say, for me, when I look at stuff like content the first time, it is tempered by expectations. If somebody tells me this is going to be the greatest thing in the world, then if I really, really trust that person and their reviews, then it actually helps me get into stuff there's been so many things that i've watched or listened to from people that i really trust their opinion and i go okay i want to go see this now or i want to to watch it because they're raving about it but if it's somebody else who i am not 100 on board with or i don't really know them then i go you know what i i might watch it i might not it's one of those things that's like back and forth up in the air so i agree with you on second viewing i usually can get a lot more content out of it if i only if i didn't not hate it the first time if i thought it was okay or decent and I yeah. want to watch it again or listen to it again. Well, I, I think it just depends on a, a bunch of movies. And Dune was this case for me. I did not like, I don't think I really liked Dune upon first viewing. And 
I think that was just because of like my expectations. There's also due in fact that it was a part one of three. So it's like one of those things where you go in not knowing and then you're expecting it to end, but then it doesn't end. And then you're like upset, but you're excited. So you go watch it again. And then you're like, okay, now I can judge this more based on the piece of art that it is. And rather that I'm upset that I don't get the full picture. I guess it's like a thing. Dune is probably the perfect example because I literally just watched that like a week and a half ago. It was my second time watching it. The first time I watched it expecting this giant epic and I was like, that was okay. It wasn't too bad. I watched it the second time and it actually just confirmed. It was like, that was okay. It wasn't too bad, but at least I gave it a bunch of time and I rewatched it and I was like, I really enjoyed that aspect and I loved that aspect. Some of the things I hated the first time also stuck with me the second time. I, I think it was not one of one of Hans Zimmer's best scores, to be honest. That's just my personal opinion. You know, glad he won the Oscar. Sounds great. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to let you have your opinion. Sorry. Your wrong opinion. I think I used to get really hyped on movies based off of the trailer like I loved trailers so much because I I was like yes I get to see some of what is potentially in the movie I get to see like the direction they're gonna take this I can speculate on what's gonna happen it's gonna be great and then I think with the shift of trailers essentially giving away the whole story it shifted my expectation from like, oh, well, that story no longer like I would watch the trailer and be like, that story doesn't interest me. Like there's no mystery left, really, except for like how they get to point A and point B. And I think that definitely really tampered my watching ability, I guess. I, I that That's probably not the correct terminology but the idea of like seeing a trailer getting hyped for a movie and then wanting to watch the movie and now I usually want to watch a movie if the concept of it interests me like the Barbie movie like that interests me they're making a live action Barbie movie and I I don't know that concept interests me so I'm going to go see it and I don't have to see the trailer in order to be like, okay, what's going to happen in this movie? I, I'm just like, yeah, that concept is interesting, so I'll go see it. And I think a lot of times as well, like if you guys are like, Amy, you really should watch this movie, you really should watch this movie, I will usually finally get suckered into watching <laughs> a movie. And then but you'll say, like, I don't like the movie because I don't like Anna Taylor-Joy. Yeah, because all the movies you want me to watch are with her. It's annoying. All Anyways, moving on. One movie. No, but I, I think that for me, like a movie has to like actually this the concept has to interest me. And I feel like a, with a lot of movies these days, the concepts don't interest me. I'm just not interested. And I think that's also a big issue. So I will tolerate watching movies if you guys want me to watch a movie. And I think that that's kind of the main point I'm getting at is that movies are just so disappointing these days that I'm just like, eh. and then Mike's like, go watch it. I'm like, ugh. Well, okay. it, there's just so many. What I got out of that, too, was that you're on Team Barbie and not Team Oppenheimer. Yeah, no, that's also what I pulled away from that. Team Oppenheimer looks like it's going to wreck me. And I don't like to get wrecked while watching movies unless they're musicals, because that's a different kind of wrecking. Amy, you're going to cry during the Barbie movie. You I was are. I going to say, yeah, you that movie sure will are. wreck you. So There's going to be one. Why are you going to do me like that? There's going to be one get wrecked, Amy. tug at your heartstrings moment. And you're going to ball. In and the you're going to be the only person in the theater. And it's going to be loud. It's gonna be... <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever cried like that? Yeah. 
so many times. When? You theater. just did. Tommy you played left. a recording of you <laughs> crying. Like, there is, you cannot prove it otherwise. Cry right now. You see? <laughs> yeah, it and was silent. Editor, at that point, we need you to put in the previous clip of Tommy, the exact <laughs> clip of that. Just put that part in so it's repeated. I don't wanna. Guys, I got bad news for you about that editing. Uh, we we gotta get a new editor. <laughs> at least for this one. Yeah, she's the worst. So let, let me ask you guys this then, uh, kind of to Tommy's point. What have you viewed a second time or consumed, we'll say, because any kind of media, what have you consumed a second time that like totally changed your opinion about it and went from this went from like, okay to fantastic? I mean, you can answer this. <laughs> say it, Nancy. Say it. Barry. It's like, do I bring it up? Are we bringing this up? Okay, this will be a little preview for a future conversation. The first time I watched it, only what a couple seasons were out and I really did not enjoy especially that first season I just I really couldn't get into it I was struggling with one of the aspects to the show to to the story but then when I watched the second time through to like all the seasons had come out ah man I loved it it was so good I could see now what they were trying to do how they're trying to shift things as time went on and I really was able to get into it so much better that time. That's all I have to say about that for we'll, now. We'll talk about that next week. On the very next podcast, listeners, we guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it would be Dimension 20's Starstruck Odyssey campaign that they did. I loved Critical Role, and so I wanted to watch other companies that had D&D campaigns. And I was not used to D20 style of campaigns yet they do a shorter campaign with a faster storyline and they're a little I think a little more loose with their rules and everything um, and I was so so used to critical role that I was just like oh I don't like this this is awful I, I'm not a fan of this story and I like sci-fi and everything but I was like D&D needs to be fantasy how dare it be sci-fi and then I've been going through all of them and I recently was like okay I'll give it another chance now that I understand their style and I loved it it's one of my favorite ones that they have I think it's a very unique story it's based off of the dungeon master his name is Brennan Lee Mulligan. It's based off of a comic his mom wrote. And it's just so, so interesting. And it's really cool to see like him bring to life this world that his mom made. And yeah, it's just, it's a really interesting campaign. And I'm glad I gave it a second chance because my first viewing was not a great one. And I only watched like the first episode. And so I'm glad I went back and I actually watched the first episode again and rewatched the whole, whole campaign. And it was actually funny because I immediately started out the first episode. I was like, this isn't how I remembered it at all. This is way better. What's <laughs> up? What's going on? So yeah, uh, that's definitely something that comes to mind. I don't really watch movies these days unless Tommy takes me to see a bad one. I usually <laughs> just... So you mean rude. if wow. Tommy takes you to see a Marvel movie on your birthday? What it's was like the other one we watched that was Doctor great... Strange? No, we watched another one recently. Spider Man. I literally oh, just yeah. said that. Amy. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's nah. <laughs> but I, I, that's opinions for another day. For no once everyone sees it. I'm not going to the theater. Anyway, I'm <laughs> doing it. Um, anyway. I don't want to. What about you, Tom? Besides Dune, I think Adventure Time, the entire series, hmm. I think it was like an age gap, is what it was. 
it's like rewatching older cartoons and then realizing how much of the older cartoons they they shoved in adult jokes in there. I think that's what it was for Adventure Time. Obviously, it's it's a kid show at its heart, but all those wonderful adult themes that they managed to like throw in there and then it just is constantly evolving and it feels like there's a world building. They, in my opinion, masterfully crafted a, a TV show for kids to watch and adults to enjoy as well. And yeah, I really enjoy it. And it ended really well. Just like that wonderful, bittersweet. And I don't know, upon second viewing, I just there's just this whole new perspective I gained on it that I wasn't expecting upon going back. I don't know why I went back, but I did. Going back to Mike talking about he watches stuff based off what people recommend. Mike has a lot of trust in Mm -hmm. those people because they have recommended stuff previously that they have enjoyed. In my case, and this is no offense to Mike, I feel like a lot of the stuff that he recommends to me, I'm not a big fan of, but I still watch them because I know he wants me to watch them, you know, and that's like the reason why I watch those things. But I feel like besides you guys, I don't get influenced by people being like, you should watch this. This is so good. It's, it's wonderful. Because I, it's more I, I just along the lines don't. of like, okay you like opinion the opinions are the same of the two people right it's not like i trust all of you but your tastes are different from mine (laughs) and that's the thing and i know mike for example he's going to use red letter media because red letter media and mike have very very similar tastes they're thorough and harsh and wonderful critics and when they really love something they really love something so mike and their opinions when they meet up of course mike's going to trust them and i think that's what it is i watch a lot of reviewers and it doesn't matter for what piece of media and you start to learn what their opinions are and what they like and then you can judge what you want to consume off of what they're doing because you know what their opinion is i guess what i was getting at is that i just haven't found that yet and i don't know how to find someone that likes my same interests for me, it's not necessarily that I have the same interests, specifically somebody like Red Letter Media. This is kind of in between the two of you. It's that I understand their opinions about a lot of stuff. And because they're such harsh critics on a lot of things that I go, yeah, okay, that was also really bad too. When they get really excited about something, I go, I bet there's something special to this. And mm-hmm. therefore, I go and, and try and watch it. They recently put out a video uh, doing a review of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which I think is my least favorite Indiana Jones movie. I think I'm going to put that below Crystal Skull. Same. And Whoa. yeah, uh, there's some cool parts to it. There's the the whole minecart scene in the end. That's great. Yeah, there's that's fun. Yeah, there there's but it just seems like a really junk Indiana Jones story that nobody really wanted to tell. And they love it, like specifically Mike and Rich on Red Letter Meter, who are like, yeah, it's like my childhood. I grew up. This is like one of the movies that influenced me the most. And they'll fully admit like, okay, yeah, this was bad. This was bad. This was bad. Okay, also that was bad. But there was this one part that was cool. And so it's not that I just like, oh, they like this, therefore I like it. It's when they talk about it, I hear why they like something and I go, oh, that's also something I enjoy in different types of media. So maybe that thing they're specifically talking about, I'm going to watch again or watch for the first time. I I do that with multiple reviewers. So I don't just trust a single source. 
So kind of going back oh, yeah. to Amy's point there, it's not that I am like, this person says to watch it, so I watch it. I, I listen to a lot of people, and when they go, this thing is awesome, and then a second source that I you know trust is also like, this thing is awesome, I'm like, well, that's two people that usually shit on everything, and they're going, hey, this is really good. You should go ahead and listen or watch or you know whatever so i it's hard it's Consume. i think yeah i think it's finding multiple reviewers who are not afraid to tell you when something's bad but will also say when something's very good they withhold their praise they don't just dish out praise but when they do it has weight to it yeah it's so the, the classic for video games for reviewing is ign ign gives if you get below an eight on ign your game d doesn't work okay there's something about it that's wrong <laughs> right and they give 10 out of 10s for games that people are just like really this game so they're always praising everything so why would i go to them to trust them for a score when they might give a game that i know i'm gonna hate a 10 out of a 10 mm -hmm. but if i go to a much much harsher reviewer and they are going you know these games suck these games all right like so uh yahtzee from zero punctuation he hates every game and then when he says he loves a game i'm like i need to check that out because it's something that this man loves yes let's go yeah. ahead and, and figure it out so that's kind of it i just don't like people who praise nonstop. yeah so put you down more is what i got out of put that more negativity <laughs> criticism the there's a difference <laughs> to be a critic uh. you need to give like real criticisms you need to understand yeah, yeah what positives and negatives are about something and not be afraid to share them and i know a lot of people really don't trust that they, they want just like to hear that the the thing they enjoyed was the best thing ever and i don't I don't necessarily care about that there's a reviewer i watch for a lot of video games his name's uh skill up and he basically titles his videos in the rating in which he's recommending the game so he'll go I recommend this game. That's what it is. And then depending on how good the game is, it'll be like, I strongly recommend or I very strongly recommend. Like you rarely see those or I do not. I strongly do not. I very strongly do not. Or like some kind of bully title where it's just like, why would anyone play <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I love those types of reviews because well, I love those types of like kind of clicky thumbnails because immediately I know his opinion going in. He does not recommend. And then he goes into an immense amount of detail as to why he doesn't recommend. And I love the way he breaks it down in such a way where he is legitimately criticizing and then bringing up points he may not know because that's game development. It's really tricky. So he, he's like, OK, here's where my, you know, lack of knowledge is coming in. So take everything I say after this with a grain of salt or something like that. He's very adamant on trying to keep his opinion very fair and balanced, but also expressing his opinion and where he didn't like things. So whenever I have, I love reviewers like that. And I love when I can start figuring out his opinion, because then I can take some things. It's like Donkey. Donkey, you know, any Mario game that comes out is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what it is. So you're going to take that with a grain of salt. But when he likes something with anime in it, you're like, okay, maybe this is a good yeah, game. This because... man hates anime and he says it's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, Amy, if you're searching for media or something, I know, try to look for somebody that hates the same things you hate. And then when they like something, <laughs> then, you know, it's golden. So is there like a, a, a video that I can go to that is a review of all the reviewers? Because that, I feel like, would also be helpful. Yo, who hasn't done that yet? Like, how has this not been a thing? 
you you've stumbled onto something. You cannot post this until we've posted this. <laughs> yeah, we need. Hold on, let's patent office. Hello. <laughs> I mean, that could be a whole thing. It's like movie reviewers, video game reviewers, cosmetic reviewers, bath salts reviewers. I'm talking about the drug, baby. <laughs> we can go full Inception, and we can review ourselves reviewing other reviewers. Oh my oh. god. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad idea because it's an entire industry out there of people who review stuff. And there are so many bad ones. Yeah, there's so many bad reviewers. There's so many fantastic reviewers that don't get any light. And then there's reviewers like, all right, so there's one there's one channel out there with a video game reviewer and she is uh, Stephanie. And most people knew Stephanie as uh, Jimquisition, like the Jimquisition channel. And Stephanie is really harsh on a lot of video games. And specifically, Stephanie gave Breath of the Wild a 7 out of 10. And people like attacked this reviewer because of her. Like, how, how dare you not give it a 10 out of 10? And really, Stephanie for Tears of the Kingdom did the exact same thing. Gave it a 7 out of 10. Or like, look, they didn't change anything. So why would I change my specific opinion on it? And I love when reviewers do that, when they stick to their guns and they go, here's what I did not like, and here's what they didn't change. So therefore, they're not going to get a better score. Yeah, I think that that's also a problem that people don't have is that, like you were saying earlier, is that people want validation that the thing that they like is awesome. And these reviewers, well, hopefully are giving their honest opinion, but it is their opinion about a game like you can't. I think it's very hard to make an impersonal review about something, especially when it comes to media, because it's all based upon your preference. And there are so many types of media out there that there's so many different preferences out there. So you do have to find those reviewers that have their own niche or there it's like, okay, this person likes anime, so they're going to review different animes. This person only likes live action Disney remakes, so they're going to give their reviews of live action Disney remakes, you know? So you have to also take that into account as like, they are going to say, yes, I like anime, but here's what I liked about this specific anime, or here's what I didn't like about this, whatever. So it's, it's interesting when you have these reviewers who are giving their personal opinion and people are like, you're wrong. And it's like, but I'm not because it's my opinion. Your opinion is that I'm wrong. And, but it's, that's also an opinion. Like it's definitely becomes harsh and then it can become probably a pretty toxic environment because people are upset that you didn't like the same thing and they feel less validated that it's not as good. I think this kind of comes back full circle to how social media has shaped everyone's like opinions and how you can express your opinions because you, you can't, accept the idea of a dissenting or opinion or some type of like not that it is classified as this but i think it correlates to rejection is the idea of someone has a dissenting opinion of mine therefore i feel rejected that it isn't the same opinion and it's just kind of like this weird endless loop of like you don't like what i like screw you and it's it's very interesting i've seen it so many times with reviewers who they just get the worst type of hate mail because they liked something I think the the best thing I can uh, relate this to is when The Last of Us Part Two came out and when people liked that video game. Oh, my goodness. There was so much hate for those people. I think it was a very, 
vocal hatred from a small group because if you look across specifically for that game it got like a 97 percent from critics and it was yeah. you know universally acclaimed and it won a whole bunch of awards for its storytelling and then you know there's just a, a bunch of really dumb people are like that woman looks like a man therefore they're gamers are upset like that's just so stupid so stupid yeah i know i totally agree i just think it's it kind of yeah plays into that idea of just like no one can accept that there's a different opinion and you kind of just get into an echo chamber in social media if if you really want to find a good reviewer amy i think it boils down to this if you find somebody that likes a subject that you like that's not enough you need to find somebody who's passionate enough to point out the flaws in the subjects that you like and when they point out those flaws, then you'll start to realize what the really true quality content from that specific subject is. I just like magic and fairies and shit. So yeah, well, I'm sure Nothing there's flawless about that. <laughs> 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 or there isn't anything flawful. But I know what I said and what I should have said, said, and it. I didn't. There's nope. no risk there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, on that note. Let's go review some reviewers. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this little podcast of ours. If you want to hit us up on a social media, we are 1L2N Productions over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. And if you like what we're doing, you want to help donate to the cause of chaos, head on over to our Patreon. Oh and my goodness. The Amy, cause, the cause of, of chaos. chaos. That is a great slogan yeah. for our Patreon. I'm just saying. Now you just I'm have to say it confidently today. next time. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. cause of chaos. Hold on, let me just actually add one. On episode 81, Amy came up with the cause of chaos. Donate to the cause of chaos. <laughs> Donate to the cause of chaos. Yeah, what can I say? I'm the best. Anyways, the last word of the day goes to you. I'm rolling my dice. <laughs> it's three. Oh, that's me! Rigged. Yeah. I can't see it. Therefore, it's mine. <laughs> no, but it's a three. Rigged. How do you know if you I can't see you, it? I Amy. How do you know? Because I picked it up and looked at it with my eyeballs, you dingus. Oh, you picked it up and changed it to the number that you wanted? Got it. Barbie's full name is Barbara Millicent Roberts from Wills Willows, Wisconsin. And her birthday is March 9th, 1959.